1: Welcome back to the next episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. I am Joe DeLeon, joined by only Ryan Roberts. Today, Alex feeling a bit under the weather, pushing him a fast and speedy recovery. Ryan, it's just you and I today. Possible glimpse at some future projects of just you and I working together. Just going to tease that a tiny bit, but nobody knows exactly what that is yet. Um, but Ryan, the, the big thing that was circulating this past Saturday, after Trevor Lawrence put up 73 points, helped Clemson put up 73 points against Georgia Tech, people started to ask the question, would you replace your current starting quarterback if you had a shot at getting Trevor Lawrence? And that expanded into how many current quarterbacks are worth keeping around if you have that opportunity to go and get Trevor Lawrence? Would you swap out your current guy for Trevor Lawrence? So Ryan, as a... a, a Guy that fully understands the talent level that Lawrence brings to the table. Where do you sit on this? Do you think that it should be over twenty twenty-five, like some people are saying, or is a more realistic range of like ten to fifteen make more sense?
2: I mean, so I'm looking. I'm looking at the list right now. I, I would comfortably say there are no more than seven to eight quarterbacks in the NFL that I would currently take over Trevor Lawrence. Because in this conversation, it isn't just Apples to apples, right? Like we're not saying a quick replacement. It's not It's not just simply this guy's out, this guy's in. It, there, There is a conversation, especially when we're talking about draft. There is evaluation to everything, obviously, but you are drafting for the future, for the long term. You're going to have a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence that's going to be on a rookie contract for four to five years, which I can't tell you how much that having a quarterback on the rookie contract for a roster development perspective is so, it's so beneficial to building a football team. So I think when you really take in all different angles, not only just the talent level of Trevor Lawrence, the best quarterback I've ever evaluated, you're also getting a good opportunity for roster management. You're keeping the salary cap low in terms of your most important asset and most important position on the field. So I think outside of, the Sean Watson's, Patrick Mahomes is the the uh, Lamar Jackson, the Aaron Rodgers like that really top tier. Even like a, a Aaron Rodgers is a conversation for a second because he's 36 years old and he's nearing the twilight of his career. Outside of those guys that are those borderline or those elite to borderline elite players, I think that I would take Trevor Lawrence because it's not just simply the player you're getting, it's the flexibility that you have from a roster management perspective on top of the ability to put cap, you know um really use the cap in your favor to build a great football team and then when Trevor Lawrence is nearing that second contract then hey I might need to uh limit the the roster flexibility I have but at that point he's 25 26 years old and that is at the point where he's going to, to be in that potentially elite category
1: Yeah th- this question has so many layers to it for me The one thing that I want to consider first is any team that took a quarterback last year is going to be exempt from this conversation, Um, even possibly the Packers, but that one's a little bit more up in the air. Just considering, though, the fact that we don't know how those guys are going to pan out because anyone who's playing right now has only played a handful of games. Justin Herbert looks fantastic, but we don't know if that's the Herbert who is going to be – playing throughout his entire career, but it's looking like that. Other guys like Tua or Jordan Love have not even stepped onto the field or gotten any reps, and we're not going to probably see Jordan Love for a couple of years. So you can't really definitively say those guys are going to be better or worse than Trevor Lawrence, but I, I honestly stand in that, that similar ballpark. I would maybe uh, expand it a little bit further, maybe like 8 to 10 guys. I wouldn't take um, over... Over Trevor Lawrence, but you have to consider. There's a lot of teams right now that are in situations where they either have older quarterbacks with with no real lifeline going beyond that. And, you know, you have to consider like Ben Roethlisberger. How much longer is he still going to uh, be able to even play quarterback in the NFL? Phillip Rivers is gradually starting to drop off, and then some of the, the. I think it also goes a little bit deeper with some guys that are not fill-in quarterbacks, but guys that have stepped in in odd situations, like Cam Newton or. Ryan Tannehill they get the job done and they're performing well but they're over 30 they have an injury history problem I would take Trevor Lawrence over either of those guys because you're starting fresh you're getting an uber talented player and you're going to get him for longer
2: uh, Joe, can, can, if, I, if I can jump in real quick, I want to do a, a quick experiment here. I'm going to put you on the spot for a second, okay? Okay. I'm going to give you a couple quarterbacks because you mentioned the age factor. Let me give you some middling quarterbacks real quick that maybe age-wise are still okay. The The jury might be semi-out, but they've showed glimpses of being really good. And you tell me who you would rather have, Trevor Lawrence comparative. Ready? So let's okay. go to Baker Mayfield or Trevor Lawrence. Uh, see the, the
1: only, the only thing that complicates talking about that is what do you are? Do I have to hypothetically give something up to get Trevor Lawrence or are we, are the Browns drafting first overall?
2: You're just swapping one for one. So we're, I guess yes, we're gonna I, would like one. I would take Trevor Lawrence.
1: I would take Trevor Lawrence over Baker Mayfield, completely different prospects.
2: Okay. How about, uh, I was about to say Jimmy Garoppolo, but he stinks. Uh, Jared Goff.
1: Uh, that, yeah, I'd probably take Trevor Lawrence over Jared Goff. Uh, one is much more dynamic than the other.
2: Okay, and last one. He's had a little bit of struggles, but he was almost an MVP candidate in 2017. Carson Wentz.
1: See, that one's that one's tricky. That one, I think, and I'm curious to hear your take on this as somebody who's in, in South Jersey. The Eagles, I, I, and understandably, Carson Wentz is playing terrible right now. He's a huge drop off from what we saw early in his career and he's had the injury problems but they are doing him no justice he's got no offensive line he has Travis Fulgham step in as the as like one of his best options to throw to he doesn't really have a a, a good supporting cast on defense so I wouldn't really want to put Trevor Lawrence in that I don't don't know how much he would succeed in, in that situation because he's got no blocking He's got bad receivers. I'm not saying that he's incapable of succeeding in a tough situation, but I don't know if I'd if I would want to bring a, a rookie quarterback
2: and swap him for Carson Wentz. Uh, it, it's it's a really difficult one because I feel like Eagle. So I'll say this: Eagles fans, they're either huge Carson Wentz supporters or they're not at all. There's like no guys that are middling in that conversation. I'll say I feel like. And I'm not an Eagles fan, but I feel like over the last few years, I have been a bigger Carson Wentz supporter than the majority of Eagles uh, fandom around here. I I like Carson Wentz, a lot of what he can do. I will say it's getting tough to really stick by his side, though, through everything. Like you said, the offensive line right now is in shams. Their wide receiver position is bad. Travis Fulgham, hopefully Jalen Rager comes back soon. Miles Sanders is very up and down. All, all, relative to the offensive line play and just the inconsistencies the offense has. But a lot of what is going wrong for Carson Wentz right now seems a little self-destructive to me. He's he's making a lot of questionable decisions. It's not just like everything's hitting wide receiver's hands and they're just not talented enough to make the play. It's It's very unsettling right now for me as a Carson Wentz supporter. So if you gave me that conversation right this second, seeing what I've seen so far this year, and and again, I'm going to take that context of things are not great around him, I think I'd take Trevor Lawrence. I think I would in that conversation. It's a close conversation. It's a tough one for me, just like you kind of said, but I think I would take that Trevor Lawrence, especially because if we're trading one for one, that means I'm getting that that contract off the books too, and then that roster flexibility again builds in a little bit. I'm getting a cheaper asset who is probably going to be a better football player as well.
1: I don't mean to take us too far off tangent, but I I just want to say with Carson Wentz, I think you could agree with me on this, that I think that I understand where you're coming from saying that he is being a bit self-destructive. But one thing that we've seen, maybe not early on in his career, but more so recently, he's always been a guy that's willing to take risks. And I think that when things aren't going as he would hope, he's always a guy that will try and do too much or force the ball into... Like he always likes to force the ball to Zacherts. That was one of his big issues uh, a couple of years ago. But he's always constantly trying to do too much, and I think right now he has nothing around him. So all he's doing is trying to do too much, and that's leading to all of these interceptions, all these bad throws, um, just all these horrible, horrendous mistakes. Do you kind of get the same sense there, or am I um, am I am I missing something?
2: No, 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 I I think he's definitely pressing, which is kind of funny because his his quarterback coach, actually, his name is Press Taylor, which is kind of funny and ironic now <laughs> that I'm thinking about that at the moment. But, no, yeah, he, he's a guy that – he's one of those hero ball guys that, like, outside of structure can do some incredible things. So, yeah, he is definitely pressing. It's just more the body language. Like, I see him come off the field sometimes. I'm just like, dude, like, you're the quarterback. Like, you can't look down on yourself right now. Like, you need to be the – the beacon of hope. Like when things aren't going well, you need to be that guy that everyone can look at and be like, we'll be okay because we got we got that guy behind center. It's going to be okay. But I, I definitely do agree. He's pressing too much because he's been given too much responsibility. But unfortunately for him, being a $30 million per year quarterback, like that's what he signed up for here because they can't, they can't allocate money into every position like they did in 2017 where he had a very solid roster all around him. He is the guy that needs to uh, transcend a lack of talent, and you know so, some cases that's worked. Jared Goff—it's been a little hairy over the last couple of years. He looks a lot better this year, but sometimes, given that big money qu- uh, quarterback who maybe isn't that guy that can really transcend the position, because then you see guys like Russell Wilson who has been making chicken salad out of chicken shit for years. <laughs> he's he's just that guy that, you know, you can, you can allocate more money into that position because he can make those offensive linemen that aren't great look better. He can make wide receivers, even though the wide receivers are getting better now, he can make them look better. He can make, you know, seventh-round pick Chris Carson looking like one of the best running backs in the NFL. Like, that's just kind of what he can do. For me, it's just Carson just seems a little lost right now. I think he needs to find himself. So, like, if we're doing one-for-one one right now, that's just kind of why I would leave Trevor Lawrence. But I definitely think that you're right. The Eagles have failed him. Howie Roseman has has been the biggest um, person in this equation that has really failed Carson Wentz to continue to develop into what he looked like he was going to be in 2017.
1: So that wonderful conversation about Carson Wentz there and also Trevor Lawrence, um that's how we're gonna wrap that conversation. Even though we went a little bit further off tangent than I think we <laughs> we expected to, we're gonna talk about our our stock up and stock down for this past week. Before we get to that, though, I have a share a message from our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. The wait is finally over. We are so deep into the NFL and NCAA football seasons. You might not be at the games this year, but you can still be in on the action. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. There's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Speaking of trending topics, it seems like everybody has caught up with us and more particularly Ryan on J.C. Horn. And it's worth noting, and maybe this tw- this this clip will deserve to be on on Twitter, we called this back in August. Might have been earlier than that. And Ryan said very early on that J.C. Horn deserves to be cornerback one. Well, after a huge performance this past week against Auburn, two interceptions and continually shutting down quality, talented receivers – people are starting to talk about him everybody's trying to hop on the wave but Ryan you're so high on this guy and you need i'm i'm now is the perfect time to tell everybody you should have been
2: paying attention this whole time and you should have been paying attention this whole time for sure he he had the the <laughs> premier matchup of saturday man like i'm a huge fan of Seth Williams i was looking forward to that JC Horn Seth Williams matchup Israel McQuemon do not play during the game the other talented cornerback from South Carolina so J.C. Horn was following Seth Williams all across the field and ended with two interceptions, the first two of his career, five pass breakups. And I told you guys, similarly, like during the summer with Eric Stokes, the minute this guy starts getting an interception or two, starts rolling a little bit, forcing turnovers, the the bandwagon is going to begin. It's going to take off. Now, I see everybody – First round talent. Oh man, that's a first round performance. He's gonna be—he might be the best corner in college football. We saw Stephon Gilmore tweet at him, like, "Hey man, if you need a cornerback, go get J.C. Horn." And I am not gonna lie, I sat there yesterday after that game, and it wasn't even my performance on the field, but I was basking in the victory that is J.C. Horn's evaluation. I was like, dude, I was glowing. I was telling my wife about J.C. Horn. She's like. I don't know what you're talking about, but I'm just <laughs> gonna keep telling her. I'm gonna keep telling her because J.C. Horn deserves every bit. So physical. I mean, it wasn't even just the plays on the ball, right? Because we saw staying in phase, being able to break up passes, the two interceptions. There was a, you know, a little, a little, a play where Seth Williams was trying to block him out on the perimeter, and he absolutely ragdolled Seth Williams. Comes up and makes a huge stick. He's played inside at South Carolina. He's played outside. This is your primo um, press cornerback that you're going to say, go lock up the team's number one wide receiver every play. That's what he is. And I'm so glad that he's starting to get the publicity as what he is because he is a super talented Joe Horn son, ball skills, physicality. He's a first-round talent in my opinion. I've been saying I uh, he's cornerback one for me. I, I, I've been very vocal with that. There's an article floating on my timeline that I retweeted yesterday in the victory lap of this week. There, there everything is there. Everything is there. That that competitive toughness. And he, you know, now that I think about it, after Stefan tweeted him out, I don't have a great comparison for JC Horn, but South Carolina guy, long, fit super physical, there's some parallels to him and Stefan Gilmore. I think that he's going to continue to rise. I don't see why people would look at him and say, Caleb Farley is way better than him. Why Patrick Sertan is is head and shoulders above him. Why these guys that are the perceived top cornerbacks in this class, I don't see what separates them from J.C. Horn. I think J.C. Horn is going to go to the combine, run a little faster than people think, and he is going to cement what we saw yesterday. It's not the end here because he's going to continue to play at this high level, but it was just really nice to see him in in a highlighted game against a very talented wide receiver in the 2021 NFL draft class himself and Seth Williams had a dominant performance, probably the best cornerback tape we'll see all year. Two interceptions, five passes defended. It was absolutely absurd day, and I feel so happy. I'm just so happy for J. C. Horn, man. He needed, <laughs> he needed those a couple interceptions to get people off his back a little bit, and he and he he showed out and he balled out for sure.
1: Someone will still find a way to say, "Oh, you're just riding off of everybody else's comments," but. Here we are, Ryan, yes. the first one it, to predict it. Let's see how that – now it's time to, to track and see where he goes from here. Does he push himself into the first round? Does he end up being where we possibly think he can go? This is just the beginning of that conversation for South Carolina quarterback J.C. Horn. The second guy, Ryan, that you have that you're a big fan of, somebody who has had average production so far this year but exploded against Georgia Tech alongside his quarterback, that is Clemson wide receiver Armani Rogers. he went for 6 receptions, 161 yards and 2 touchdowns. Besides that huge stat line, what are some of the things that you saw in his game?
2: Yeah, I mean, so coming into the year Justin Ross injury before the year began, people are looking around and saying, "Who's Clemson's number 1 wide receiver?" For me, it was it was an easy one. Amari, Amari Rogers has shown in spurts just how dynamic and how athletic he is. Now, he's a true slot player. Right around 5'9, five, 5'10. Five, He's never gonna be a guy that you're gonna put on the outside a ton. Return specialist. What this guy is though, 205, 210 pounds. He's that yak player in the similar mold to like a golden tate type of player, where he after he after the catch is where he is the most deadly. He's he creates a lot of um, a lot of non-advantageous angles from players in the open field. He breaks a ton of tackles. He's a really talented wide receiver prospect who is starting to flourish 160-plus yards yesterday against Georgia Tech. He's starting to really assert himself a part of this offense to being the type of player that I think that he can be. One of the potential big risers in this class, space players are always going to have the potential to rise. I think Amari is a special athlete at the slot position. I think he's a day-two prospect who checks a lot of boxes, creates easy separation – also, quick note, he's T. Martin, the uh, Tennessee great quarterback, national champion, the, took over after Peyton Manning. He's actually his son, so he's got the oh, NFL wow. bloodlines, college football bloodlines as well. So Armari Rodgers is definitely somebody to keep an eye out, talented slot wide receiver and return specialist for Clemson.
1: So to wrap up our stock watch, stock down, a guy that could could have been considered to be a day one or day two defensive back, Tyson Campbell for Georgia this one's pretty straightforward. His performance is going to be broken down, not only from the plays that he allowed Jalen Waddell to pick up, but the one notorious one from the game where it looked like Jalen Waddell had nobody covering him. Campbell fell flat on his face. Not a good day when he's supposed to perform well against a projected, highly drafted first-round receiver.
2: So if, if you talk to – if you talk to – Former NFL scouts, I'm thinking about my conversation with David Turner. One thing that he values, and he was in the game for 18 years, one thing that he values at every position is balance. Now, on that play that you highlighted, there was a switch. He ended up going on outside on Jalen Waddell. Got it was just it was over from the start. Got into trail mode, tripped over his feet, was was just it was just a terrible rep from a guy that in the summer Everybody, and, and I'm thinking about the draft network specifically, put him as like a top 15 player. They're like, this guy is the next big thing. He's the big riser in the cornerback class, and I never got that. Now, he had a pretty nice uh, performance against Seth Williams a few weeks ago, so I was kind of like, okay, I'm starting to see this a little bit. But I've been on on board that I think Eric Stokes is the best cornerback on that Georgia team. I don't even think that, that Tyson Campbell is the best corner on his own team. But I'm just looking at Tyson Campbell, and yes, long, athletic, there are traits, obviously, that you're going to want at that cornerback position, but I think he's so raw. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes back to school for to be a 2022 guy. He's also a guy that hasn't had the ball production that we talked about with, like, J.C. Horn and Eric Stokes. I'm just really missing it with him and this performance. I mean, it, I feel like every time he just wasn't – every every rep that I saw of him, he just wasn't in great phase. And, and in the others, you know, on the opposite side of the field, Eric Stokes is in good – position. It's just, you know, guys are making nice plays. We'll give the, the wide receivers more credit than that. But for Tyson Campbell, I felt like he just wasn't in proper position. I don't think that he is the technician he needs to be to succeed right now. I think he is all upside and little tangible, um, tangible production right now. So that's why I'm, I'm still really low on Tyson Campbell. Not, well, not super low, but I'm just not sold on him being a heavy player in the 2021 cornerback class.
1: So to wrap up, Today's episode, we decided to add an extra fun segment. If this goes well, we'll keep doing it. This segment is going to be stat sheet stuffers, guys that have stupid stat lines across college football that we need to bring up. Ryan, I'm going to pitch my guy first, and this is somebody that had to be brought up. Dylan Gabriel, UCF quarterback, 35 for 49, 601 passing yards, and five touchdowns. This man had a day. Now, he might not be a a top draft prospect, but that stat line is so gaudy against Memphis.
2: Yeah, and and then um, I I love the mention of Dylan Gabriel. Joe, I actually caught the end of that UCF game. It was a fun game. Obviously, he came out on the losing end, which is absolutely insane, throwing for 600 yards and five touchdowns in a losing effort. But the guy I wanted to mention here (laughs) for this um, stat sheet stuffer, and it's on the complete opposite end. You just highlighted a guy for a great effort. I'm going to highlight a guy that I said might be a heavy player into quarterback four conversation when all is said and done. That's Matt Corral, quarterback from Ole Miss. 20 of 38, rough day on the completion percentage, 200 yards, two touchdowns. But the roughest stat of the day for Mr. Corral, six interceptions in his loss against Arkansas. For a guy that had only one interception entering the game, uh, off to an incredible start. Six interceptions in one game. That is debilitating to his draft stock right now. I, you know, it's it's like one of those. I think I saw Eric Edholm from um, Yahoo Sports tweet out was like, eh, we might want to uh, pump the brakes a little bit on Matt Corral." And I could not agree with him more right now because I, I, I mean, I it's one of those games where it's so bad that I definitely need to go back and take a look because he had done a great job of decision making. He has a really strong arm, a lot of good traits to deal with with a guy like Matt Corral, but now that's the type of game where you need to go look back and look and say, and give some context to the performance and say, why did this happen when he's rolling and everything looks so good? Was it something that Arkansas was doing? Was it just bad decision-making? But a very bad effort, six interceptions in one football game, no matter how you slice it, is a horrible effort overall.
1: Yes, uh, stuff in the stat sheet there in the very – worst possible category to be filling it. That's going to be it for this episode of the Believe in NFL Draft Prospects podcast. Stay tuned on Thursday as we will be dropping another prospect interview. Thanks for listening in again, folks. Be sure to uh, rate and subscribe wherever you may be listening to us. and Also, follow us on social media at Joe DeLeon for me, at Rise and Draft for Ryan, and then at Alex Gilstrap uh, for Alex. Also follow Believe Podcasts at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, folks.